If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook, and keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. You are listening to Keystone's Stock Top YouTube show, episode one and podcast episode 171. This week we come into the air with sounds of Video Killed the Radio Star playing loudly in my head. We are making the transition from audio to video moving from a strict podcast to a YouTube show with interactive video, screen sharing, and more. And we can't wait to expand on this format. This week, the show kicks off with a bang in an epic battle as Aaron debates Brennan in a no-holds-barred analyst showdown. The company in the crosshairs is Algoma Steel, A-S-T-L, on the TSX, an integrated steel producer in North America with raw steel capacity or production capacity of 2.8 million tons per year. Aaron argues the bull case, and Brennan tries to wrestle him to the ground with the bear case. I will sit in as judge, jury, and executioner. I will give you six things you need to know about the TFSA, or tax-free savings account, including why it is not just for the rich, and what you can put in it, and the contribution limits should be thrilling. Brett will handle our star of the week, as well as our dog of the week. The dog this week is context logic, symbol WISH on the NASDAQ, which we have seen its share price drop 51% in 2022 alone. The company's e-commerce platform allows third parties to list products to sell to customers who purchase through visual-based mobile app. It's visual-based mobile app. The star of the week is Viamed, symbol VMD on the TSX, and should be no secret to Keystone clients, having been a recommendation over the past four years since it's traded in the $3.85 range. Today it trades at $10. Viamed, which is a company that provides in-home durable medical equipment and post-acute respiratory health services in the U.S., primarily non-invasive vents. It's seen its share price jump 38% over the last month and 60% since our rebuy recommendation in April of this year. So we're excited to get to the show I'm going to lie and say I'm happy to see your faces uh, in person here, but I can see you now. Uh, welcome, Aaron, Brett, and Thank Brennan. You. Yes, we've been talking about doing this for, I don't know, a couple of years now, and it only took us 170 audio podcasts for us to actually bring this thing Yep. Well, the video. first issue... The entire yeah, so time, you know, everybody's telling us, you guys have, got, you have great faces for radio. Don't go to video, but here yeah. we are going And we were about to. Finally, we have we proof of to, concept. Was, I'm on... Like my mic just literally it's, keeps dropping. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll see. Now that people can see our faces, maybe the maybe the listenership just drops off. So we'll we'll potentially have to go back to audio. We could track those things for sure. So some of the things we have planned to include in our new YouTube show, we'd love feedback on those. Keep telling us what you want in this area. But some of the things we have planned. Uh, our company interviews with the stocks that we're looking at or companies that are in coverage to kind of show what we do in an interview, what we do when we're interviewing management teams 
and uh, some of the quality companies that we bring to our clients. We're going to look at the best and worst of FinTwit, which is Twit, Twat, Twit. Sorry. It's uh, funny things that literally come up and informative items from Twitter in the past week. Profiles for great, uh, of great investors looking at their philosophies and debating them, including Buffett, Templeton, and even recent market darlings such as uh, Kathy Wood, who will have probably some thoughts on the uh, negative side there as well. We will be doing many of them in the coming shows. Keep your questions coming into our mailbag, uh, and we'll look at our strategies uh, in terms of North American stocks, and we'll look at individual North American stocks on a weekly basis. So keep those questions coming in, and we can look at them. So uh, anywhere you guys want to start this week, uh, I have a, a little Maybe bit of a fin Maybe just start with a general discussion. Sure, why don't you start with the fin twit, and then we'll just have a little discussion on a couple news releases. Uh, then we can well, get you know, crushing Brennan in the, in the stock battle. Of course. I don't sure, know if it's good for my health. That, right? Oh, everybody wants to see Brennan yep. go down once again. Especially it's it's a running theme. Yep. Even Brennan's grandma. Yep. Oh, yeah. She she actually uh, messaged me the other day saying, take that <laughs> son sure. of a down. You know? <laughs> Your grandma's ruthless. Okay. So now... It, this is a tweet that I found, you know, these life hacks you see on, on Twitter all the time. Well, th there's some on there that I just find absolutely re just ridiculous, really. I'm going to read through this one for the benefit of our listeners uh, to the, uh, to the uh, podcast. But this, this uh, wonderful person on FinTwit says, you are the average of five people you spend the most time with. That's why every quarter... I evaluate myself and my friends on three key criteria, income, fitness, influence. Anyone who scores below me is cut off. Complacency is the first step towards mediocrity. <laughs> Seriously, honestly, with that, that was, attitude, within like three months, this guy has no friendships. This guy. Yeah. Like. Well, here's the thing. If everybody takes that, takes that, um, perspective if everybody does what he's doing aren't you going to be in a situation where literally nobody has anybody any friends because if everybody's cutting off everybody who is below them you're going to be left off at the end with only one person that hasn't been cut off but he or she's cut off everybody else like does that not make sense yeah, well i can i mean yeah you're, you're bringing logic into from this, a logistic so. mathematical perspective it's just yeah you know it's not a very practical it's true. Um, I mean, I, I can imagine a good that, friendships perspective. It's not like all my friends don't have to be in better shape or in better shape than me or make more money than me. Um, in fact, that would probably feel a little bit bad if everybody did. So, yeah, no, I mean, I can imagine going to my uh, seven year old and saying, you know, uh, sorry, you haven't reached my income threshold this uh, this month. You're you're cut off. I'm not talking to you anymore. I mean, it's just. I don't know. What about it's, it's, she it's comes guys, to you and says you haven't reached her influence threshold? It's true. It's true. It, right? it, this guy's incorrigible. Or fitness, I'm sure. Fitness at this point, um, you know, she's in several sports, so I'm sure she could probably outrun yeah. run me. At and this what about point, like so being? So yeah, so I thought I'd bring that up. Good it's a beautiful, where, beautiful you know, tweet. There, there is someone that you know maybe you're helping you know along the way. Um, like those kind of people can help you learn about yourself. You know, so. Brennan, that's the way to mediocrity. I guess so. Okay, I'm sorry. I guess so. You know that. Don't help other people. 
<laughs> All right. Guy sounds like a definitely a taker, not a giver, yeah, exactly. is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Okay, well, we had uh, we had um, a couple things that we noticed this morning. Alphabet and Microsoft came out with earnings just as we're really recording this. Um, you know, the, the, the takeaway, the big headline number said Alphabet missed uh, on revenue and earnings. It was a very, very slight miss. And if you juxtapose that to companies like Snap that are reported over the past couple of weeks in the social media segment, um, you know, the slight miss there was actually uh, the market gave it a vote of confidence because it kind of shows to me uh, if you can see that, you know, you saw on a constant currency basis revenues for Alphabet off very tough comparables last year were up 16%. So for a company of this size off tough comparables, uh, it's quite good. And the, the market has reacted positively this morning. There's a lot of noise, as you know, Aaron, in the operating income or, or in the net income really of this company um, from quarter to quarter basis. And as we see, you know, once again, if you can see the results there. Uh, it's the same this time. Uh, the company basically is flat on an operating income basis. Now they did a ton of hiring in this quarter and it's expected they're going to, you know, nose back on that hiring over the next couple quarters, which probably brings margins up over the next few quarters and you'll see better profitability going forward. Again, Alphabet's going to have tough comparables over the course of this year over last year. Uh, but, you know, that growth that you see there is still good for a company of its size with a fortress balance sheet. And, you know, if Aaron, if you have any thoughts on this or Microsoft's numbers, let me know. Um, sure. You want me to talk about Microsoft's numbers? Sure. We, I mean, we can. Or, yeah, we can look at that. The, the stock was up about 5%. Mm -hmm. I think Google was up yeah. or Alphabet was up 7% this morning. You don't have to talk through the numbers specifically. But I think you were saying they look, you know, relatively solid. The market, uh, you know, I mean, the headline numbers there, uh, it's yeah. up on rosy guidance. Sure. So, yeah, the numbers looked relatively solid. So just to kind of walk through quickly, revenue was up 12% year over year, 16% on a constant currency basis. Earnings per share of 233 for the quarter. Uh, that's up 3% or up 8% on a constant currency basis. So constant currency just meaning, obviously, they're doing business all over the world. And um, they're they're operating different currencies, so there's there's some currency loss which they really can't do anything about. But um, cloud continues to be the strongest part of the business. That's one of the reasons why we initially recommended it. And I'd say that when we when we're doing our research, we looked at the five Fang stocks: Microsoft, Alphabet, um, Amazon. Uh, Meta, which was Facebook, and um, and then also Apple, and it's Microsoft and Alphabet that we chose to to recommend, and those have by far been the the top performers. But going through the the operating segments, um, intelligent cloud, which is the cloud computing segment, up twenty percent, um, productivity business processes up about thirteen percent. So you know, really good in the core parts of the of the company's business, but. Once again, this is a company along with Alphabet that has been putting out tremendous financial results over the past year. Uh, we, we are now looking in 2022 at tough comparables when we're comparing ourselves to last year. So we can't expect to see that, um, that double digit, you know, 25% growth every, um, every quarter. But generally speaking, I, I think that they're, they're fairly robust results and 
the company as, as well as many other growth stocks are going to take perhaps a little bit of a pause um, in terms of the high levels of growth that they've been achieving um, over the next few quarters, but then they're, they're positioned to start growing again. And really, you know, when you're looking at a theme like cloud computing, this theme really accelerated during the pandemic, but it was a strong theme beforehand. Um, it will be a strong theme afterhand because it's just a way of helping companies, helping uh, your customers save money and be, being more competitive. So overall, I think that, you know, I'd like to just themselves. expand on, you know, Google's economic moat and, you know, this just kind of happened you know, recently, or I guess Alphabet's economic moat. You know, search is such a, you know, every, everyone uses search and it's just crazy how Googling it has became synonymous with everybody. Everybody, you know, goes into their phone or into their pocket, pulls out their phone and Googles it. And, you know, there are other competitors out there. There are search competitors, but, you know, Google's the dominant, you know, as, as well as just, you know, YouTube. YouTube, for example, um, YouTube is becoming TV. Uh, from my understanding, YouTube stars are literally starting to get paid more than TV stars or movie stars. Um, so it's really interesting seeing, uh, you know, the company really build a beautiful economic moat, um, you know, for itself. And I see a runway uh, with this economic moat going forward. So, you know, just want to touch on that a bit. Without a doubt. Now, should we get to that debate? Great. Yeah, let's get to the Or do we have anything else we want to look at in the news? You do. Uh, put Brandon out of his misery here. <laughs> sure. Let's do this. It's Algoma Steel, A-S-T-L, uh, on the TSX that's in the crosshairs this week. Is Brennan, you have I the bear have case, I understand, right? Okay, are I you ready? ready? Do you want to go? Second. Do you want to go here? And you have you have slides. slides I've got I've slides. I'm I'm a fancy fancy boy. Brandon has slides. Aaron was not told. Aaron was not. Told. <laughs> oh, your secret weapon, Brandon. I was not told. Gotta have some this. cheap shots. You know, All right. No, it makes sense so though. I, my, I mean, I my win loss so. ratio up. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's so see. Uh, I am ready. Whenever, count me in. Bull versus bear. Stock battle. Number one, according to the World Steel Association, steel demand is too slow in 2022, growing at just 0.4%, down from its 2021 growth rate of 2.7%. Number two, the price of steel recently declined from its late 2021 highs, where steel futures were trading at $1,900 and are down over 50% to $860, making Algoma's forward fundamentals not so sparkly. For example, for Q1 to Q3 of fiscal 2021, while steel traded in the $500 to $800 range, Algoma was losing up to $1 per share in earnings and was just generating slight adjusted EBITDA margins of about 4%. This compares to when steel was at its peak and adjusted EBITDA margins were up to the 40% range. Number three, the fundamentals of the business look solid, but even if management does everything right and the price of steel declines, the stock will likely do poorly. And to quote Mr. Aaron Dunn when he discussed Algoma last, don't get too caught up in the current fundamentals, cash flow, and valuations as they can change quickly. Boom. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. The power move, using my own yeah. quote against me yep. and my picture. Like that. On top of that. Under the time, under the time. Yes, using using Aaron's yeah. own words against up. him. That's, that's a tough uh, blow right there. I don't know. I'm shaking like here now. In the groin right staring there. at myself in the face. Like I'm arguing with myself now. Mm -hmm. Okay, but um, I'm I'm ready to go here. So whenever you're gonna 
So Aaron has his 60 seconds now to rebut that and argue the bull case for Algoma. Let me know when I'm ready to go. Okay, the current fundamentals and growth in Algoma are tremendously strong, but we're not going to focus on that. Algoma is a steel producer, so it's commodity price sensitive and higher risk. This is not a core position. It's a relatively small position. However, long-term steel is crucial to the global growth engine, and most investors can benefit long-term from some limited exposure to strong commodity stocks. Three reasons to consider Algoma. One, strong cash flow from current operations, even at lower commodity prices, and expanding production, a 700 million state-of-the-art facility expansion to be completed over two years. Reason two, cash-rich balance sheet, 830 million or 564 per share in net cash, equivalent to almost half of the company's market capitalization. Reason three, downside and recession risk is already priced in. The stock trades at two times current year's earnings. Even with a significant drop in steel prices, the stock trades at five times expected earnings next year. Again, this wouldn't be a core stock position, but as a long-term commodity investment, Algoma is a strong company that investors can buy at a rock bottom valuation. And time. All right. Ooh, just got it in under the wire there. No, I, I, I got to tell you that, yeah, yeah, like you had more. Oh, yeah. But I'm not going to say. It oh well, he had more. I, I'm, I'm in my. This is the ca- This is the thing. If he would have gotten to that last, would no, he? No, I put my weakest. At, would at have the made end. it a difference, right? I'm my weakest at the yeah, end. you so can I tell me that after that I. I, re- I got to make sure that I get my main points in within the minute. So no. Worries. After I render my verdict with my blue felt pen, so now. I mean, I got to tell you to be to be frank on this one, like this one is almost as close as it gets. We've been doing these on our podcast for years now. And uh, I mean, the judgment on this one is going to come down probably more to philosophy than anything. Uh, Brennan uh, made some really good points. I mean, the I mean, it's the typical argument against a commodity based business. Essentially, you're talking about management doing everything right. The price of the commodity moves against you and you move to negative income. I mean, you saw that Brennan showed last time Algoma went through a price decline in steel. It erased the profitability of the business. Will that happen this time? You know, we don't have exact guidance going into the next year, but you know, it's a, it's a good probability that something like that could happen. But Aaron, um, you know, he almost is convincing me there by saying he's not focusing on uh, this as a core position. And it does make sense as one of 15 to 25 stocks in your portfolio. So if it's a non-core position, great balance sheet, almost half the market cap in cash, trading at two times current uh, earnings, uh, I believe. Now, those are tremendous arguments for. So for me, it's very difficult. Uh, where I side on this, and I think Aaron may have lost it, uh, I'm saying there, on the flip of the coin because, you know, commodity-based businesses as us for a long-term investment are difficult. I'm going to give the win to Brennan on what? this one. His first ever, literally his first Come ever. Come on, no. And I know. I, Aaron, it pains me. I spent me, all night writing <laughs> jokes to make fun of Brennan, but they don't, they don't make sense if I don't win the battle. It's true. I, I almost no, wanted no, to give you want to know what Brendan did a great job. I'm not I'm not I'm not going to be like that. Brendan did a great job. I want job. to give you the win to carry the on slides. the bit. It's, yeah, well, you know, we, we got to we got to throw a bow into Brendan. No, yeah, great slides there. Um, and then the last slide when you were using my own quote against me, you said don't get caught up too caught up in the current fundamentals. I just want to explain what that means because that's a really good point. Um, I talked about Algoma being trading at two times 
uh, current year's earnings. I believe that's current year um, earnings. Now, okay, yes. that's really a moot. That's really it's just an irrelevant figure, though, because what matters is where the company's earnings are going forward. So if you're looking at a company that's trading at two times earnings and you're expecting those earnings to grow, okay, then that two times earnings becomes relevant. But if it's trading at two times earnings and you're expecting the earnings to decline, the two times earnings figure is just, it's completely irrelevant. You shouldn't look at that. That's also why I mentioned that it's trading at five times next year's earnings because that um, accounts for lower commodity prices. So that's really what I mean. Don't look at, when you're looking at the fundamentals, don't just look at what has happened in the past, over the past year, over the past three years. These can be important things to look at in order to get a gauge of where the company is going in the future, but it's only one piece of information that you use. Really what you're trying to determine is what is the trajectory of, of earnings growth? Are, is earnings going to stay flat? Are they going to grow? Are they going to decline? That's really what valuation analysis comes down to. And then you have to base your, you know, your opinion off of that. But um, yeah, good job, Brennan. Yeah, and, and that can be Thank said you. particularly for commodity basis where the earnings can be so fluctuative. Often the worst time to buy, which sounds counterintuitive, is when the, the numbers or the, you know, the cash flow numbers and the multiples on that are the lowest. And that is, be, you know, because often in a cyclical industry, you know, you're at a high in terms of the market, then you reach a trough and the earnings can be or cash flow can be significantly, it can decline or go negative. Yeah, whatever. So I want I'm my 20 bucks it. back, Ryan. Yeah, that's true. He, <laughs> he, right. he slipped me the, the 20. Next time no. it's got to be a little more than 20, Aaron. Clearly. Yeah, I guess that's the message. Uh, that's the message here, right? I'll keep your 20 and you need to triple Now everybody that. knows the secrets, all of my wins. You know, at first when I was looking at the at the company, just given the commodity price sensitivity of it, I'm just like, I'm like, oh man, this is going to be a tough one to defend. But then I thought, I'm like, but this is Brennan I'm going up against. It's I mean, true. come on. I can, <laughs> I can beat Brennan in a battle if I'm if I'm arguing for Enron 20 years after the fraud. Like, come on. Obviously, I know I was I was way too confident, though, or I underestimated Brennan it's one of the two, right? I wonder what, if, if you could have gotten to the last two points, well. maybe there, right? If you could have gotten to those points. My record has been wiped clean. You know, with the YouTube show, I am one and over. I'm not sure about that. So that's right. My past 100% win rate against me. We're going to uh, go job, back Brandon. into the archives and On bring the up the record. Show. 1% if you add all the... All right. All right. Let, let, job, guys. Let's get to my uh, segment here. I'm going to look at six things every Canadian should know about a TFSA. Number one, they are not just for the rich. A TFSA or tax-free savings account is an account in which Canadian residents 18 years and older can save or invest using after-tax dollars. Income earned on contributions is not taxed. The TFSA account holder may withdraw money from the account at any time free of taxes. And despite what this guy said, I'm not sure about the, the new hair there. They're not just for the rich. In fact, in 2015, when the annual contribution limit was rolled back by Trudeau from 10,000 to 5,500, more than 2.9 million TFSA holders or 27.5% of the total had total income of less than 25,000 when the numbers again were crunched in 2013. So 28 0.6% reported income between 25,000 and 50,000. So more than half the TFSA account holders in Canada 
had incomes at the time of less than 50,000. That is not the rich. Do you think that sheltering $6,000 annually for the ultra rich even moves the needle? It's not even a rounding error. For lower income and middle class Canadians, encouraging savings and growth on $6,000 annually is significant. This rollback was a tax grab and hurt the middle class contrary to the way it was sold on election day. Now, number two, what can you put in a TFSA? Well, it's almost anything. Uh, in most cases, uh, what can you put in there? It's most things that are allowed in an RRSP can be put in a TFSA. This would include cash, mutual funds, ETFs, individual stocks, basically any security listed on a designated stock exchange, uh, GICs, bonds, certain small business shares as well. Now of note, there are some investments that are not yet permitted or not permitted in a TFSA. Number one would be securities that trade only on the OTC over the counter market are not allowed in a TFSA. For me, this rule is arbitrary and really doesn't make much sense, but there it is. Currently, there is no way to hold cryptocurrencies directly such as Bitcoin or Ethereum in a TFSA. That is unless you use Bitcoin or Ethereum exchange traded funds to gain exposure. Other digital assets, digital assets such as non-fungible tokens or NFTs, because they are not listed on a designated stock exchange, are not permitted. So if you look here, I mean, this may be a good thing if you look and bought, you know, theoretically into your TFSA, this NFT on, it's a board ape NFT. Uh, six months ago, it was 433,000. Uh, recently, it sold for 51,000. Uh, those losses in there can't be made up in your TFSA. So maybe it's a good thing. Let's look at number three here. How much cash can I put into a TFSA essentially? Now the maximum amount, how much you can contribute annually to your TFSA is currently $6,000. This number is called your annual TFSA contribution room. Fortunately, the total amount you can contribute is cumulative. It's cumulative. This means that any unused contribution room will be carried over from one year to the next. Now, here's a quick table on the TFSA contribution limits and the total TFSA limit cumulative from 2009 when it was created to 2022 today. And you can see there in 2015, it jumped up to 10,000 and then was taken back by Mr. Trudeau to 5,500. If you don't have a TFSA, can, you can contribute a total of 81,500 tax-free as long as you were eligible and at least 18 years of old in 2009, the year the TFSA was created. And there's a great table. And we're going to move to number four here. Don't over-contribute or face the consequences. There are penalties for breaking the rules in a TFSA. The number one that we're going to focus on here, there's others, but this is the number one, is over-contributions. If you contribute too much to your TFSA, you'll pay a penalty of 1% per month on the excess amount until you remove it. If you over-contribute deliberately, uh, you'll pay 100% on any gains or income you make in, on the excess amount. So make sure you do not over-contribute to your TFSA. Number five, access to your money anytime via TFSA. It's hugely flexible. Many savings accounts such as the RRSP or Registered Retirement Savings Plan or the Lira, the Locked-In Retirement Account, 
are savings accounts that have some sort of penalty or conditions if you withdraw funds from them. This is not the case with the TFSA. You can take money out when you want for any reason without paying any tax. It makes it a great option. If you take money out, you can recontribute it in the following year in addition to the annual maximum. Do keep in mind, uh, one to, something to keep in mind is you've reached your TFSA total contribution limit, then you can't deposit that money back in until the next year. The money in your TFSA is yours and you are totally free to access it whenever you want. This makes the TFSA a great emergency savings account, rainy day fund, but we advocate it really as a great long-term investment account as well. Number six and finally, will a TFSA really make a difference for me? The answer for us is yes. Let's look at this chart here. I'll give you an example as to why. If you make $4,000 on your investments in one year in a TFSA, say your tax rate is 15%, you save $600 in that TFSA account versus a regular investment or savings account in one year. And that compounds until you take it out. That is an excellent thing. Now, my final thoughts, if you don't have one, in terms of a TFSA, get one. If you have one, max it out if you can. Tr contrary to what some politicians will tell you, they are not devices of the rich. They are great tax-free accounts for average Canadians to legally keep some dollars away from the hands of the taxman and get ahead by building wealth. Use it. That's all I've got to say today about TFSAs, and I'll stop sharing my screen. Good, good. I, I, I've always loved the TFSA and, and one, one of the big reasons is just the flexibility and the simplicity of it. You, you contribute with your after-tax dollars, but after that, you don't have to worry about any type of taxation, not from the money that you capitally generate inside of your TFSA, um, not when you make withdrawals, um, any withdrawals that you make, it's not going to affect any other type of benefits you get like old age security. So it's just, it's a very simple, it's a very simple structure as opposed to the RSP. The RSP can be a very good structure as well, but for some people, if you're somebody who invests for capital gains, um, you're not going to get capital gains treatment from the RSP. Your your money is, your returns um, are deferred. The tax is deferred while the capital is in the RSP, but I believe it's around 65. You have to transfer it to, uh, to a RIF and you have to start making withdrawals. And that just taxes regular income. For, so for some people, I mean, if you're, if you're assuming that your tax is going to be lower in retirement than maybe the RSP makes sense. But um, if your tax is higher in retirement, then you're actually far better off in a TFSA, just from a taxation perspective. But I love the simplicity of the TFSA. You could theoretically make millions of dollars TFSA um, and make withdrawals and never have to pay tax. So that's, 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 it's just really a great tool to use to save. And, and yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm and just going to, and we're going to, I will constantly advocate for increasing that contribution limit. Um, I, yeah. We've done courses, we've done seminars just on the TFSA. So it's, um, it's, it's something that we've, we've been, we've been advocating for a long time. If you, if you're a young person, um, you know, I would say that the first thing would be the TFSA. Yeah. Um, for most people is to start yeah. to maximize. And of course, there's not a lot of space. And, you know, another, another good point that you made was about how there's a lot of rhetoric out there with respect to the TFSA. Being <laughs> it's ridiculous, utterly you know, ridiculous. I, I guess if you, Just... you're, you're basically saying that anybody who 
can save a little bit for retirement is rich. I, I completely dif- disagree with that. I think that it's a very populist statement to make. Um, the, the TFSA is for the middle class. Yeah. That's who it's for, because that's what matters to. For the, like you said, for the elite rich, the, the extremely rich, the $6,000 a year doesn't, doesn't turn the needle. For somebody who's middle class, that can make a that can make a big difference over and it, and it even showed by the 10, statistics 20, that lo- lower income we're using it to a, a significant extent mm-hmm. right I, I mean you can save for a car you can invest through it you can you know it's a great place to shield legally away you know tax from the tax man you know the tax that you're going to owe in a regular savings account or regular investment account and um, you know when you're making investments, uh, you know, I, I would advocate uh, that we shouldn't be taxed on investments anyways. We're already taxed on those. Those are after-tax dollars that are going into those investments anyways. Uh, you know, in the U.S., there's, you know, a lack of a capital gains tax. I would argue that we should get to something like that in Canada. But, you know, that's probably for another show. Let's. We're going to get to, I believe, if we got nothing else to talk about on this issue, let's get to our dog of the week. We got our star and our dog. Maybe we'll do our star yeah, first. Are you started, ready yeah, to we do, can our do the star, star first? Let's, let's lead with the positive, yeah, exactly. right? Lead with the positive. And then end it off on a negative that note. Is that's what I like. That's the way to do it. People, uh, some crap on the way out the door. Yeah, so um, our star of the week is Viamed Healthcare, symbol VMD on the TSX. Brett, we're going to task you with telling us All why. Right. From our Stars and Dogs segment, it's time for this week's Star. Star. All right. Like Ryan said, the Star of the Week is Biomed Healthcare Inc., symbol VMD on the TSX. It should be no secret to Keystone clients, having been recommended initially in May 2018 at a recommendation price of 385 and later upgraded to a buy in April 2022 at 628 now trading at a current price of $10.07 gaining 38.32% over the last month and 60.38% since April buy recommendation the company provides in-home durable medical equipment and post-acute respiratory healthcare services in the United States specifically Biomed provides non-invasive ventilation therapy to patients with terminal respiratory conditions, enabling them to stay at home and out of more expensive institutional settings. Driving the share gains in its Q1 conference call, management Q2 guidance indicated a return to core revenue growth of 22 to 25% year over year and a return to historical sequential growth of 68%, referring to clinics having essentially fully reopened post-COVID. For a company then trading nine times cash flow and a cash-rich balance sheet holding $29.2 American dollars, this renewal of historical growth levels has driven the stock to 52-week highs, making it our star of the week. Yeah, excellent. It's a great summary, summary on Biomed, a company that our clients and many of our listeners should know quite well. Non-invasive vents that it provides, uh, keeping people out of the hospital setting, in their homes, uh, better for the patient, better for the healthcare system in the U.S., which needs to save money. Uh, it's, a, it's a good company that had, it's had a very solid, traditionally organic growth. Now, it had some one-time bump up during the pandemic where it actually went out and procured vents uh, for the healthcare system and had access to those vents that were needed during uh, the initial onset of COVID. 
Uh, now that gave it a bump in sales, but that was a one-time bump. The market kind of got too excited at that point that that was going to continue. It actually was, you know, good one time for the business. They banked a lot of cash, which was nice, but it, it for their ongoing ventilation business, they actually couldn't have their uh, salespeople go out there and talk to hospitals, talk to care places to bring those people into the home. So they've been now able to do that again. Uh, and as you saw in the last quarter, which is likely what is driving the prices, their guidance going forward is to get back to that, you know, 20 to 25% range of organic growth. And that is a high level of organic growth. And if it can sustain that now, this company actually did 30% plus organic growth prior to this period. So we could get to those levels again, but if, even if they can get to, you know, 25% organic growth, that's a tremendous level with a cash rich balance sheet. I think that's what is driving the stock uh, going forward. And that's why we've seen it uh, been on such an uptick since just uh, the start of this year or even April, it's up 60%, which is nice to see in a market that really has been not so good for the average stock. So it's good to see this company performing quite well. And we'd expect over the long term it to continue if they can continue that organic growth rate. So we can get to our dog and on that negative note, like we like to. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Uh, it's context logic. Wish on the NASDAQ. All right. Brett's got this one too. The dog of the week is context. Not like, Brennan. Not Brennan? No. Never to Brennan. <laughs> All right. The dog of the week. I just wanted to point at him because I can yeah, now. So. I think he's actually going to be bottom right of you. <laughs> so wrong direction. On mine he is, so I'm, yeah. <laughs> you're, I'm you're, probably pointing you're, to Aaron. You're the screen else. for the viewers. <laughs> All right. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll get those. Is he there? <laughs> yeah, he, he's down there for you. He's there for me. Somewhere. Uh, no to subscribe button sound there, though. But, yes, yeah. we'll do that. Yeah, we'll there, smash there that, that, that was nice point. and easy. All right. We can move uh -huh. to the dog of the week. From our Stars and Dog segment, it's time for this week's dog. <laughs> Context logic symbol WISH on the NASDAQ, plummeting 51% year-to-date and 93% since its IPO in December 2020, which is currently trading at a price of $1.56 and a market cap of $1.04 Context logic's product is its Wish e-commerce platform, which allows third parties to list products to sell to customers who purchase through its visual-based mobile app. Driving the decline, monthly active users have fallen from 101 million in Q1 2021 to only 27 million for Q1 2022. Similarly, Q1 revenue fell from 772 million to only 187 million, nearly 25% of the previous years. Further, the gross margin shrunk from 57% to only 34%, ultimately leading to a net loss of 60 million for the quarter. Wish has attempted a turnaround, slashing the marketing expense by over 90%, which can largely explain the collapse in users and revenue. The only positive highlight is Wish has a cash cushion with over a billion in cash and marketable securities. But Wish has been burning that cash, leaving a whopping $148 million in free cash flow in Q1 2022. The company is going to test how far this cash cushion can take it in this coming year as it ramps up marketing into Q3 of this year. Moving away from the finances, the company has a poor understanding underlying product rife with scams and fraudulent products. Mainly, many e-commerce 
platforms face these issues but Wish is the pinnacle of deceptive products, causing the French government to have search engine providers to remove Wish from the search results. Even after the shift in the CEO at the beginning of the year and a promise to fix these issues, they are still rampant. That is the core fundamental issue with Wish. The product does not have an intact value proposition for its consumers and is in borrowed time until it does, if ever. Making it our dog of the week. Good. So nice net cash position, but burning cash. So and that, that's the thing, right? Like we, yeah, we love companies. We look for companies that have a net cash position on their balance sheet. Lots of cash, little to no debt. That positions them well um, to, one, in a, in a rising interest rate environment because you're not servicing a lot of debt, but also to make acquisitions or invest in their business. But if they're burning cash flow and they're using that cash balance, they're not really... It's not it's not an asset used for investment. It's an asset used to um, yeah, cover I mean, expenses. And that's a completely different thing. Exactly. You're, you're looking at... A year and no, a half, two I'm, years. I'm looking so at the chart right on this right too, like thirty dollars so, well, in that them. range. It looks like when it started trading here, like it was thirty dollars, right? Yeah, yeah and I'd, I'd like to just like add, you know, while you're pulling that up, like a company like this is only as good as its monthly active users, and we're and while we're seeing, you know, such a rapid decline, like I'm sure that last year w was kind of hard comparables, just with you know people still at home and whatnot. Um, but, you know, we're seeing a huge decrease here. They're going to have to ramp up marketing expense, like Brett said, to, you know, get those monthly active users back up. It's scary. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Lost billions in market cap. Uh, you know, you look at, look at the revenue growth of the company. I mean, it did grow from when, you know, 2017, when it looks like it IPO'd uh, or in that range. Uh, to about, you know, I think trailing 12 months mm -hmm. is only actually 1.5 million now. I mean, it got up to as high as 2.5, uh, what is that, billion? Sorry, 2.5 billion. I mean, these growth, then a drop-off, never profitable. I'm not sure how it ever got to the valuations that it was trading at. So, I mean, for me, uh, absolutely. Investor absolutely. euphoria is really what it comes down to. Yeah. People get excited about a company and they're willing to pay any price. Once, the, mm -hmm. once the initial investors start moving the share price up, then that to other investors value whatever the company is saying because it's like saying, "Look, we're getting all this market acceptance." But we've seen we've seen situations many times. I mean, countless times in the past where companies with no underlying fundamentals or poor underlying fundamentals do great for a period of time, get these ridiculously high valuations because they're seen as exciting stories, but then they just completely fall apart because there's no foundation of, of financial performance to support underneath. And that's, I mean, it's, it's just countless times we've seen that over the years. Yeah, I mean, that was never more apparent than in 2021 when, you, you know, in the tech sector, we, we just did a full report on focusing on the SaaS-based companies, really great businesses in this sector, but uh, the, the euphoric valuations that the sector got to, there's a pendulum that swung so far this way. Um, and, you know, in a euphoric valuation push, those companies got to levels that they never should have gotten to, just broadly speaking. We've seen that pendulum maybe shift back to here. It's just potentially coming into equilibrium. But does that, you know, we've asked, been asked many times, in the tech sector, is this now a historical buying opportunity? We talked about this on the last uh, several podcasts. We don't think we're in historical buying territory. I think you've just come back to pre-pandemic levels 
Uh, and if you're facing a rising rate environment, potentially a recession, it's certainly not a historic buying opportunity. There's some companies now that are looking more attractive, looking you know, two to five years out in that SaaS segment, great businesses, but they're certainly not trading at historically cheap valuations right now, given what you know, we're looking at in the market. And if you just looked at them in regular market conditions, I think you need to see more of a pullback. Whether you get it or not is the question. You know, if your time horizon is three to five years, there's a few names that, we'll look, that we look at that we recommend in that sector right now. But you know, right now, as a sector as a whole, we're not at historical buying levels or anything like that. So I think that's going to conclude our show for this week. I'm going to encourage everybody to, uh, you know, smash the kids say, right? Smash that subscribe button that may be below me, may not. It may be up there. I'm not sure. Right. So, uh, smash <laughs> yeah. that. That's good. I'm good. It's good. I'm good. Uh, I'm glad to yeah, hear that. It's there. You're, 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 you're yeah. down. So smash it. Um, and also, you know, keep, yeah, if you're yeah, just you're listening to this on, uh, on, on our regular podcast, Keep rating us on iTunes. Keep uh, the questions coming in. We can debate an individual company on your behalf each week, or we can look at two companies and pit them against each other. And uh, look forward to us having interviews with management teams going forward. Uh, we're looking at doing one a month as well. So you can send suggestions in for who you might want us to interview in the small, mid, or large cap sector. We'll have them on the show. Again, I'd like to thank everybody for listening and watching now, and I wish you all profitable investing. Thank you. Profitable investing. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, everyone.